Welcome to Blue Collar Mystics, the under-the-hood approach to the depths of human consciousness. So many mysteries, so little time, so many big words. That's why we aim to take the mystical and make it practical, usable in your everyday life. And you know, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your story. What happened when you started asking yourself the real questions? Like, who am I? What is this? Is it a hologram? Is this some kind of weird cosmic joke? Hey, these are the questions that we are trying to get to the bottom of as we explore the final rabbit hole together here as Blue Collar Mystics. Right, we are streaming live. I see y'all out there. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, we're live on YouTube, Rockfin. We are live on Facebook as well. I'm here with James Thomas, aka The Admiral Hits. Hey, Owen. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I see you out there, honey. What is going on? Good to see y'all in the chat. It's good to be out. It's been a couple weeks. We hadn't done a stream in a while. The last one I did was uh, with Ben and Derek and Bill. And uh, I'm really excited about that. Is there some like weird noise happening when I'm talking? Do you hear that? I don't. I, I, it sounds good to me. Okay, cool. Let us know out there if it sounds a little weird. Something's happening in my headphones. It's kind of bizarre when I'm talking, but if it's not coming through, then we're all right. All is well. But yeah, I I was all charged up this morning. I was like ready to just lay into it because I've just been thinking a lot about really the process, working, putting time in and how long things actually take. Because over the past, gosh, I'd say at least three and a half, four weeks, I've been pretty devoted to a project. I know you have been face, you know, face to it, just a- absolutely grinding, you know, and for whatever reason, I, I feel like that happens to me in the winter often anyway, but you know, just uh, how much it takes to do certain things. Um, and I, it, it's more, but you, you always hear it. It's kind of cliche. Like people are like, well, if I knew how hard it was going to be, then I wouldn't have done it. You know what I'm saying? Like you hear people say that shit and you're like, come on, man. Is that true? And then you get into the thick of it and you start to work on something and you start to encounter some real challenges and you start like, you start getting just eaten alive by whatever it is that you thought was going to be so easy. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's real easy to think like, to have like, oh yeah, I'll just do this. You know, I'll just do that, you know, and, and that's great. It's good to think simply and think ahead and, and have a, and have a good idea, but you've got to understand if it was, if it was that easy, everyone would do it. That's kind of a, another cliche, but, it, but, it, but there's some truth to that too, right? Like if you can get in front of it, if you can endure the, the difficulty and the struggle that it takes to put something together, then very likely, and it is always a risk. You may be able to get a reward on the other side of that thing. Yeah, you know, um, if, if I I made a feature documentary and I was too stupid to know how hard that was when I dove in, um, but two years into it, I was just like, 
you know, point of no return. And, uh, you know, I just kept on forging forward. And, and, uh, but, you know, if, if I had to, uh, if, you know, if I had the list of all the trials and errors and, and the trial, you know, I might not have done it. You know, I was too, I was too ignorant and too, um, um, enamored by the idea at the beginning to not do it. Right. And, uh, you know, so, so with everything, you know, it, 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 nothing worth having isn't, you know, is easy. <laughs> it's just not, no one's going to hand it to you in a platter and, and you have, you don't come out into this world, um, born knowing everything you need to know. You have to, you know, learn by doing. And, you know, there's a lot you can say, you know, you can go to school and take classes and stuff, but it's, it's in the process of actually failing and, and the struggle where you learn, you know, what works and what doesn't and everything else is theory until you get there, you know? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And it's crazy. I'll start a project and I'll get excited and I'll have a bunch of momentum and steam. But like you said, if you would give me the list of all the shit that I'm going to have to trudge through and like all the little frustrating tasks that I'm going to want to throw my computer out the window about, then, you know, <laughs> I can tell you, I don't want that list for anything that I do. <laughs> I don't right? either. <laughs> like, if, you're like, don't hand me that list because I mean, if, if I'm really inspired, that list would just be bogus anyway. Right. And then, so, and that's what I, I would really um, coach or, or implore anyone to do is like, you have to be inspired because if you get to the point where you're just doing something for a paycheck or you're just doing something for the sake of doing it, all those difficulties are never worth it. Right. And, but it's worth it if it's something you really want and are inspired by and want to share with the world. Right. And, you know, same thing with the, uh, the portal. I, uh, and it was an organic evolution continuously over a 10 year period. Uh, and, you know, I, I probably would never have gotten on board at the beginning if I just knew how difficult it actually was, right? But it was the inspiration that made me forego all the risks. And, and uh, you know, you just, you pound through and, and, you know, you do get to a certain point in a journey where, you know, you have to make a decision like, do I want to go on? Is this worth my time? Is the reward good enough and uh and you know that it, it really is a case by case basis and you know what, what you can tolerate and being in the pressure cooker you know yeah and it's like you said about the you know knowing beforehand it's like you're not going to know beforehand right anyway you're going to encounter problems that you never foresaw or thought about that's part of that's part of that unpackaging and it's hard to account for that it's frustrating it's like for instance i was setting up like a text autoresponder which should be no problem it's pretty easy to do and then you find out that the toll-free number that you got you have to do a verification for in order for that to go through or you got to yeah. buy another number it's like all these weird little things that you don't expect like you start to work on one a thing and <clears throat> all the pieces you're trying to put them all together uh, and make it work like this machine, but it's very frustrating when you encounter these unforeseen challenges, you know, it's, 
it's high highs and low lows for the past three <laughs> weeks, man. I've been building an infrastructure. I just launched uh, a cleaning business and I've been doing Airbnb stuff for God, since 2017. And, you know, we've done a lot of stuff like that, but I thought, how, you know, we just need to do a front end cleaning business and then we can do Airbnb stuff too. But also we're, we already, we're already kind of doing this. So I'm, I formalized it and I've been working, putting that uh, all together and it's been, it's been fun. It's been challenging. It's been uh, annoying. Uh, all, all, all of the things. Cause it really is that range. Cause like once you start to unpack something, you think it's, you can see it, you can see the vision, but you don't, you don't know what is, is uh, lurking behind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm in the middle of rebranding the, the spaceship for um, public consumption, you know, because having a psychedelic spaceship is great at music festivals, but uh, having it, you know, trying to get uh, mainstream individuals who are going through whatever struggles and whatever healing they need to go through, um, making them understand that a psychedelic spaceship is going to help them is a, is a, is a tough, it's a tough sell. And so, you know, I rebranded to something that was a little more palatable. And so in that rebrand, I, you know, I set up the Calendly, I set up all these things, set up a new website. And I got an email yesterday from a woman who said, you never made it to your one o'clock appointment. <laughs> and what I didn't realize was that I thought it would email me and it was the old email, but I didn't get the old, it showed up in the schedule that I wasn't even looking at. Right. And, and, uh, and it was just because the event button wasn't clicked in the Google calendar. Right. And so I can't even see the email. I can't see the, 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 the thing on my schedule. And I'm like, what is going on here? And, but, you know, it turns out that it was a friend of a friend and, you know, they're patient and, but, you know, I was out working on the car and I would have very easily stopped for a one o'clock appointment and changed gears for that. Had I known and, you know, it's just like little things like that. And and so it happened with somebody where it was non-consequential. And, and I'm grateful for that. But at the same time, I'm like, man, I, I just a little blind spot that I don't know. And, uh, you know, and I'm thankful it happened because now I, I can I can uh, fix that and, and uh, move forward. And I know that at least this stuff will pop up on my schedule now if, if it does. Um, if I do get those bookings. And so, yeah, it, it, baby steps and, and growth, man, it's, you know, hand in hand. And you know, especially it's like, it, you know, one of the toughest things for artists, especially is be anybody can be in their art sphere. Yeah. But if you want to be a successful artist financially, you have to hop between your artist sphere and your business sphere. And uh, I think artists struggle a lot with that. Um, that jump and then moving back and forth between those, those uh, spaces. And, uh, you know, I was like, I'm not the most technically inept, but I also don't have a working understanding of algorithms and SEO and all these things that, that come to, you know, make a business better online. But, you know, it's like, you know, you know, when you don't know something and then when you know, you don't know it, it's time to, hit the books, watch them go to YouTube university and right, watch right. the videos and beat your head against the wall. I mean, you know, it's like even, you know, the last three days, I, I, I'm not a mechanic. 
but I watched a bunch of videos on YouTube and fixed fixed my car and fixed my mom's car. You know, it's um, that's good. That's impressive. You have, you have to learn. You know, like you, you have to. That's what being an entrepreneur is. If you have skills, you know, you go and work for a corporation to give you a paycheck. But if you're an entrepreneur, you have to learn all the intricate, fine details of every aspect of you know what you're getting into. You know, it's like when I was making my movie, I thought I was just going to be the producer, but I ended up being the writer. I ended up being the uh, an editor and all these things. I had to learn them all on the fly because, hey, I'm, I, you know, I got all this money in and all this time in and we need it. We need to edit and we don't have an editor. We can't find an editor. So it's you know time to edit. And, uh, you know, it's like so, you know. Being being an entrepreneur is definitely a, a different animal than showing up to a job. Somebody has a, a, a manual there for you, protocols and, and company policy, things that they spent years working out um, if you're an employee so that, you know, their operation can run smoothly. Yeah, I mean, that's that goes with the territory. What is it they say about entrepreneurs? It's like uh, you quit a... 40 hour a week job and, and gain an 80 hour a week job or something like that. Right. Well, that's if you start too soon. <laughs> Cause well, you know, really you're supposed to spend, you know, like they'll tell you, and you know, it's like, they, for instance, FedEx was in business for two years building systems before they sent their first package. All right. So, you know, a lot of times people launch, uh, clear ahead of time and, and really what you should be doing is building your systems and building uh, and, and a strong um, protocol for anybody that's going to do that because like ultimately you have to have somebody else do everything that you know right you have to pass this stuff on in fact one of my hardest things ever uh, with the portal was um, you know I just thought we were having fun out at a festival right i didn't really realize that i was running a business and you know every all the information is in my head and i got all this all this turnover with new volunteers and new employees and it wasn't until i built a manual i read a book and and i and this book changed my life literally it was, it's called the e-myth revisited i wish i had the author's name but um maybe look that up but the e-myth revisited it's like it's a story of an allegory um with a woman who's struggling she runs a bakery and she's he's she's got a friend who um you know does business systems and business management and you know he always gave her tips and she would never listen and one day they're having coffee and so the whole book is written in an allegory of like friends sitting in in this coffee shop and basically this woman didn't you know same problem with the portal that i had and she didn't have systems for the business to work without her in place and so she had to be married to it day in and day out had high turnover employees and people didn't like it and she was hard to work with this that the other thing this fucking book made me cry because here i am i'm a psychedelic spaceship pilot right i was like who could have who could who could you know know anything about my business and this book literally broke down everything every choke point of why i was struggling and i mean I, I basically cried when i read it i was like oh my god this is probably one of the most vital books 
to get me and and right after i read that book i created a, a systems manual i created a training manual i created rules and protocols and and policies and all these things and wouldn't you know it everything started running a whole lot smoother and you know the moment that i could walk away and i'd have it all fall apart because everybody knew what i knew um i started i i became happier and because it was like you know i was literally married to a 12 16 hour a day for uh performance uh and and making it run and so yeah the e-myth revisited you know really will help any especially an entrepreneur that's already in business and buried because you really have to it's all about your system the more you can uh, you know this is what the whole coaching uh industry is all about is is putting in the automation and and putting in systems so you're not micromanaging every aspect of every detail and then you know you get to that that call or or that coaching and everything you know everything is is kind of like set for you to cut you know because you don't want to do the same thing over and over and over it's like i'm working on the car yesterday i'm not a mechanic i don't have systems i just go hey this this fits i wrench but I'm walking around the car. I forgot this over there. I forgot this, you know, but took a normal mechanic, probably an hour takes me four because I don't have the systems in place to, um, to expedite the, the process. Yeah. And that's one of the things that's always held me back too. Cause I've always been like, <clears throat> I need to find a systems builder, right? Like I'm just like standing by like, man, it sure would be great to find a systems builder. That's really what I need. And it's, it's akin to like, when I would walk around the film set, right. Or like see a sandbag and be like, wow, somebody should really move that. You know, it's like, that's your job, pal. Like, welcome to being an entrepreneur, you know, like you, <laughs> you ain't nobody doing shit for you. You got to figure out how to do it yourself and figure out how to systematize that process, build that system. And that's why, you know, software is such a big thing. Like the software that I'm using to build systems. Now, the more, accurate the more we can measure the more precise we can make things the better it's going to be for everybody uh, over time especially so it's it's weird you don't understand that uh, meticulous like measurement until until it's really useful and beneficial but you as they say you can't manage what you can't measure yeah. so like it's it's kind of like it's in it's it's creepy on the one side right like all the systems that kind of can track us and, and things like that, but they're also very useful uh, in other ways. I mean, any, any tool is neutral. It just depends on how you use it, but it's uh, yeah, absolutely funny to kind of see it from that way. Right. And establishing those processes, the idea of like entrepreneurship is that you are basically replicating yourself, right? Like if you can do a certain thing then you can teach somebody else to do it, or if you can put something in place, in order that something happens over and over again. It makes a lot of sense to me that FedEx did not send a package the first two years it's developing. Now that's a huge front end investment, especially from a sweat equity standpoint. Absolutely. But once you're in operation, you know that everything ha is working and there the fail safes are in place and all of that kind of stuff. So it's strategically quite brilliant because you can't afford really to tarnish your reputation. You've got to go a little bit at a time and build your name. Right. Yeah. And you know, there's an, there's an old allegory about a tribe and the tribe, the tribe elders, um, tasked two groups 
to bring water to the village, right? And so the first group, they just went and carried buckets and did all the labor and went back and back and back and forth for, you know, for whatever, like three years. And the other group spent three years figuring out a plumbing system, like a, a piping system, right? And so the the first group, they thrived for three years bringing the water to the tribe. And then all of a sudden, the other group, after they you know did all the planning and all the, the construction and everything, they put the other group out of business, right? And so they lost they lost their livelihood because they didn't think far enough ahead. Where this other group is like, we don't need to make money on the front end. We need to figure out how to do this over a long period of time and do it correctly and safely and 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 efficiently, right? And so they deliver the water and eventually put that other tribe out of business. And and so that's a, you you have to be thinking forward enough to be able to and change the times. And I think that's, you know, we're right in that cusp. We're generation X, right? So we came from a time with rotary phones and, 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 you know, dial televisions. I I was the VCR remote for my old man when I was a kid, you know? And, and so now like we're introduced to this uh, high tech world and, you know, it's, it's getting easier and easier to learn these things and they're making them more idiot proof. Than, than they were a few years ago. You know, they really, um, you can open up a lot of things right out of the box and, and, and use them. And, uh, you know, but it, it really does pay to spend the time to teach yourself how to do things right and how to, and how to build an efficient system because pulling your hair out of your head and beating your head against the wall are not options for a long-term sanity. And, and you got to really like what you're doing to, to deal with the day in and day out of uh, the struggle, right? And so the more you can free yourself up so you're not married every moment to an idea, um, it's super beneficial. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, it's not a virtue either. Like so many of us think it's like a virtue to just beat ourselves to death. You know, we got to learn to, <laughs> to, to, you know, have a little bit of um, a buffer there. Um, I don't know. I'm used to grinding it out and working really hard. The mountain is real. You know, we have to also encourage ourselves and think about the way we talk. And also when you were talking, it made me um, think a lot about now we're in the age of AI, which is kind of crazy. Open AI is going to change all of this stuff. And, you know, it's time to get on that train too. Well, I mean, that's the weird thing about it. It's like people are in such a hurry to be ahead of the game, to compete or whatever. I don't know what reasons people have. And we live in this. Have you heard of the dead internet theory at all? Mm -mm. It's hard. It's kind of hard to explain, uh, to be honest. But the idea, uh, one of the big ideas about it is that the internet is kind of like fake. There's all these websites that are just old, all this uncatalogued stuff that's underneath the surface of the internet. And then there's a layer of the internet that we kind of see, right? Like there's like yeah. five or six websites, let's be honest. We know which ones they are that kind of like have that, uh, you know, there. You, if you go and search Google for one result and you keep going down, it'll show you like a billion results or five billion results. But if you keep going next, 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 it start, the, 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 the amount of results that shows like it starts shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. 
It's crazy. Uh, but the idea basically boils down to the, the, you can't believe what's on the internet, right? Like you can't really trust that information, especially since all of those uncatalogued sources are not even searchable, right? Like they're kind of in the graveyard. So if you're looking for conflicting information or conflicting data or other data points on certain things, it is very, very hard to find. So we kind of live in this post-truth uh, era. And then now we've got the AI too. And I've seen a lot of screenshots. I don't know if they're real or not of people really challenging the AI and trying to find those workarounds around it, which is pretty interesting uh, as well. But I, I know that's going to affect the way that people operate and do business, right? Like if you can just have an AI write your email script for you, then you'll just do that, right? And then that'll be a thing. But I, but I think it's a slippery slope and kind of dangerous to rely on it too much uh, because you're going to, you're eventually people are going to be so separated that they don't actually even communicate to each other anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely, you know, that threat. I mean, there's all kinds of really amazing things going on now. It's like you can use open chat chat uh open ai chat with uh i forget what the name of the there's an, an interface it's a script writing interface and you can use it with like notion and so you can go into notion and connect these three programs together and just write notes in notion and ai will just simply write write all kinds of shit for you whatever you know based on just your little jotted notes and you could have entire um libraries of stuff written the more notes you write based on what it, whatever you know little scribbles that you're, you're throwing in there and, and but you know in a content based world which is kind of what we're in now um you know the faster you can deliver content and have quality content out there um you know that it, there is a benefit to that now can ai write everything as you know so like i had a right ai write like my bio and i had ai write um some you know, a couple other things you got i know something about you know gongs and healing and you know it did an all right job it it got me started i went and edited the fuck out of what it wrote um you know but like these things are all in their baby um their baby st- beginnings like yeah, it's probably it's probably gonna get out of hand but yeah you know everything I, <laughs> it's definitely gonna get out of hand there is something Uh-oh. to be said about human interactivity and like in um integrity and a handshake and all these things that come into play and, and if you know if you go into any of these online um educational services you 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 might talk to a human for uh, two weeks you know while you work uh, while you're talking to their ai and all their automation and taking all these quizzes and tests and and things like that and and to me that you know i get it but there is something aggravating about about that and uh you know there's got to be a happy medium somewhere in there where people are actually taking the time to interact wholeheartedly with other human beings for the services that they want to get paid for right yeah, I, I was maddened, like, uh, because they had this AI bot. I, I totaled my car not too long ago. I'm, um, yeah, I mean, I was muting myself. 
Uh, hopefully that I, I hear some weird like rumble when I'm talking. It's bizarre. So I'm muting myself in between. But yeah, they had some AI that was basically booking my appointment, which is fine. What a great use for an AI. But it didn't tell me it was an AI. It told me its name was Ashley. And then, uh, you know, I got to the dealership to go and do a test drive. And when I got there, I was like, yo, Ashley, I text nothing nothing <laughs> they flaked right and so two days later i get a text hey i see you missed your appointment i'm like nah brother i didn't miss it i was trying to talk to ashley and uh nothing and he was like oh ashley is our ai well if you would have told me that when i booked the appointment i would have known that and i would have like tried to talk to somebody else in the place or you know you got to give me a an idea of what to do so i mean i see the usefulness of it but you got to use it the right way, you know, like uh, I think it's kind of really obviously it's unethical to have an AI pretend to be you. That's not cool. You know, like <laughs> that's not that you're lying. You know, that's that's theft of the truth right there uh, in the chat. Uh, Kevin says AI is surprisingly good at writing song lyrics. Um, I, that, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, uh, it's it's not terrible at writing some jokes and stuff, too. I mean. It's still kind of dad jokey or whatever, but I've seen some funny stuff and I, and I mess with it too, but I had the same issue as you did. Cause it's not going to just generate exactly what you want. You know, you've got to really get in there for the detail. It can give you an outline. It can give you a, a basic draft, something that's going to be very conventional and match the tone of, of everything. And which is what I mean. Like it, it's turning into her, like the movie her. Did you ever see that? No. In the movie, uh, it's a it's a great film. They've got these little earpieces, and they basically are communicating through these earpieces, and they have these AI assistants. And of course, he uh, falls in love with the, his AI lady, of, uh, and uh, gets his heart broken. Uh, but but you know, basically, the idea is like they're they're communicating, but through these assistant. Uh, assistance and I heard, I heard so I've heard some really good jokes about AI girlfriends anyway right <laughs> but um but that's a real movie that I think it came out like 2011 or something like that it was like well, that's, that's forward right, <laughs> right. Like, yeah I was barely then, fucking working correctly and then this. four weeks later you know here we are um but yeah it's uh it's 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 wild, man. The stuff that we're seeing with AI right now, it, it is blowing my mind. Honestly, well, that's the thing too is you know you'd be surprised at how many people that you're interacting with online that just aren't humans. You know, like um, you know some of these trolls on Facebook and stuff. They're they're bots. There's no way that they're human beings. Just not just it ain't, it ain't happening. And you know, like because we get on Facebook in 2008. We just assume that like, you're talking to this person because that's their name and that's their picture and this and that and and uh, but you know around 2016 things really started to to amp up and uh, yeah I've seen some really interesting just things in in group like groups just coming into a group and egging on an entire group of people and you just like you know that there's just no way that this is a person. Like it's just a robot screwing with everybody. Yeah, they even have like the have you seen the the chatbot farms of just like 
dozens and dozens of phones, you know, plugged in and they're just, it's just a bot farm of, uh, you know, these little Twitter trolls and stuff. And they're all like saying the same reply and making the same argument hundreds and hundreds of times all over. It's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, you can't trust what's on the internet. Uh, and that, you know, the idea of influencers, right? We had a small window for like five years where it was good. everything was genuine. And I, know. I wish I had we, something to offer at that time. <laughs> yeah. Everything was genuine and everybody was real and everybody was making their own stuff. And like, and like now we're in a completely different um, age and it happened really quick. And like, you know, as fast as, as Blu-ray, you know, came and took away DVD, it took DVDs a long time to take away the VHS, you know, it was like it's that it's just a snap. And, uh, you know, there, there is, it's going to be a struggle to stay authentic in the, in the next, uh, you know, 10 years and, 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 uh, you know, finding, you know, and they're going to continue to write system and get new things in place that are, are going to tackle some of these problems. But yeah, you know, it, it ain't all what you think it is. It's crazy, man. It's so trippy and freaky because it's like I'm a freedom person, right? Like, but you don't want people to run amok. But then you got people who want to take control of stuff, and they're always the psychopaths. So it's this constant conundrum, and uh, it's it's just wild. What a crazy time to be alive, man! Hey, you know, somebody in the chat, Zidar asked, "What is the point of Shiva and?" Parvati, Parvati uh, in the top right. Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, it is a symbol. Uh, it is an Americana version of uh, a symbol of uh, masculine and feminine energy, my friend. It is the Blue Collar Mystics logo. That's what we're uh, here here doing, man. Thanks for stopping by. We appreciate it, Zadar. Um, yeah, KJ says the echo chamber came to life. It really did. <laughs> Man, I don't want to be in a room with everybody that agrees with me. And I, and that's sort of like a lot of, it just, you know, the internet is, is a crazy thing these days. And, you know, it's like, it's funny. It's like, there's all kinds of things trending. I don't watch the news and I don't spend a lot of time online. And, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of, everything gets to me late, but, you know, I, I kind of feel blessed for, for being insulated to a certain degree, but I'm also ignorant to a lot of things and just tinkering away, being the artist that I am, you know, what you got to do. You're doing it. That's awesome. That's badass. Yeah. And that's, and that's part of it, right? Like back to the whole idea, the, the mountain, the mountain is the way the obstacle is the way the mountain is is there and we do have to climb it you know i see a lot of people in i wouldn't say i mean maybe i'm gonna collude the industries but like self-help or spirituality or new age or whatever and they're just like well i'm just gonna shortcut everything i can just manifest it i'll just <laughs> manifest it yeah, manifest manifestation still comes with action Right, and the things just don't magically appear like Harry Potter. Potter's, you know, magic is not waving a magic uh, wand. It's literally the the um, focus of energy, and to create, right? And and it takes time to make anything of worth value. And you know, you can either create or you consume. 
And the more you consume, you realize how empty you become because you're not creating. Yep. No, I mean that we are all artists. Absolutely. And it's just, it's just funny. I see it a lot. And I mean, I even think about it myself too. Of course, I don't want it to take as long as it might take to do a certain thing, but that's the other part of it too, which is, you know, you hear the cliche, like fall in love with the process. You know, it's not the destination, it's the journey. And that's, and I, and I think that's true also. Uh, but it's, it's just, it's just funny to hear kind of the flowery idea. And it's, I don't know, I, I get, I get frustrated too. Cause I think people have this idea where they don't have to put any time in. They can just make well, something yeah. happen so easily, which, which you can, I'm not saying you can't make things happen with ease and in a flow state and stuff like that. But I don't know. I, I just, well, it's, you know, think about it like athletes and things, right. It's like, you don't when you see an athlete perform at a high level you're not you know you're not watching video of them spending six hours in the gym and and spending three months reading a playbook a playbook or any of the things that go in to being great right you see the end product and that's what we we live in a world of instant gratification and we have some we're over inundated with so many ideas and you know it's like the the big thing where i work everybody wants to be a fucking dj right everybody wants to be a dj everybody's but you know what really what they don't understand is yeah you get to go up on stage and all these people are dancing to your music but do you really want to travel to 100 cities playing to 100 people a night for 10 years you know you like you there is a process that comes with that and you have to really be wired to handle being alone all the time and you know wondering who your really friends are you know like all the, these things that come with certain things like you know it's like and that's the one thing with torn for 12 years with doing doing the gongs right is in the beginning if you would have told me how much traveling and how many like lonely miles are on the road and all that stuff i probably wouldn't have done it right but i did do it and in doing so i became really good at what i do Right. And and th there's there's no way to quantify that. You have to put in the work. You have to carry the water, carry the water and chop the wood. There are no shortcuts. And, you know, like and resistance is going to come and you have to stay like with everything. With, with you have to step into the pain. Right. And you have to, like, really sit down and and do the things that you don't want to do to get to those winning moments. It's true. I mean, that's that's the last thing anybody ever wants to hear. But truer words, man, they've just never been spoken. You do, you do. You've got to get in there. You know, I when a lot of these things too. I will say this because hopefully this will be inspirational, right? Like I'm not trying to be uh, negative, Nancy here. I want to encourage people to do things, but also I want them to understand what the undertaking is and yeah. how the learning curve works. And that at a certain point, you're going to want to give up. And that is part of the process, right? Like, especially if it's a skill worth really learning, like you're going to hit 
a frustration point, right? And that can be different amounts of extreme depending on whatever it is that you're working on, right? Like when you take on comedy, you there's a room full of people that get to watch you embarrass yourself. <laughs> if you do, you know, woodworking in your garage, you might lose a thumb, but nobody was there to witness it. Uh, it just depends on the situation and what it is that you're trying to do. But irregardless, hopefully nobody loses anything other than maybe a little bit of dignity here and there, right? Well, you know, it's, it's crazy, right? It's like um, I have, you know, I've been working on these cars for the last couple of days and I got a bunch of friends that are really good mechanics, right? And I simply mentioned little tiny things to these guys and they know the intricate workings of the year and model of the car that I'm working on, right? And like, it's the first time I've ever popped my head under this thing. And this person knows exactly what I'm dealing with because they did the work that that was their chosen vocation and they understood at the same problem that every person is going to uh, go come into going in and you know it's like these guys fixed my my issues that i was struggling with that you know the video didn't cover and just like that but like if they didn't put in the work there would have been no answers for me right but like to you know i don't you know they spent a minute two minutes answering a question but they took them 15 or 20 years to make that say those mistakes and deal with those mistakes over and over and over and over for them to coach me for that one minute. And that's, and like, and that's what you read, you know, when you get into price, right. It's people want to haggle for whatever this and that you're not paying for the person's time of doing the job. You're paying for all the years and time that they put into to be able to do the job for you competently with integrity. That's what you're really paying for. You're not paying for them to stand there and turn a wrench. You're paying for their knowledge and understanding and skills and schooling and everything. Right. And like, like we're just so insulated in, in a world that, um, you know, people only see the results. They don't really understand what goes into all these things. And that's why it's, it's so, you know, you have to, I really, it, you have to really love and be inspired by something that you, cause you're going to run into those brick walls. You know, I really love film editing, right? I just enjoy the process. Um, but I, like in the beginning, I didn't, I actually, I, I didn't know anything, but I pulled it out of the box and it was very intuitive to me and I got really good at it quickly. Uh, but as a necessity, right. But like, I wouldn't have ever been able to pay someone to do the editing job that I did in that movie because I didn't, I didn't have the, the capital to be able to compensate somebody from all the skills and years they put in. I had to like learn that stuff myself and you got to really be inspired to, to do the work. Otherwise it's just something else, right? It's just like, you know, it's the same. I'd love to play a piano or, 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 or drums. Right. But I, every time I've tried, it's just, that I'm it's not for me because I'm not ready to put in the work on, on that particular thing. Uh, there's a million other things that I'm probably more adept at doing. And, you know, that's you know, it takes some time and effort into ex exploration to figure out what inspires you and, uh, and really make your place. Yeah. And I think it's a lot easier to get through those difficult times those challenges those learning curves that just that suck that make you want to give up <clears throat> if you're pa actually passionate about 
whatever that thing is, right? Like you can actually enjoy it. You can take a step away and be like, this is really hard right now, but I see the bigger picture. I understand why I'm doing this. I'm going to get to the point where I can do X, Y, or Z or, or whatever. But yeah, falling in love with that process. And sometimes the process doesn't match what you think it would, right? Like yeah. weird, weird example, but scuba diving. Like I thought I would love it. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to want to be a scuba instructor. Scuba diving looks so awesome. Like how fucking cool I can be underwater and breathe. That's so cool. Oh my God. And then I got to do it and my sinuses, I couldn't like clear my nose. I had nosebleeds. I had issues with all the pressure didn't like it felt really claustrophobic and uh just it wasn't it didn't match my initial idea my i and i do idealize shit you know i mean whatever we all do but uh but yeah it didn't match right so sometimes the the process isn't what you thought it was going to be like i would say that stand-up comedy is one of those for or was for me right like other people might have a good idea of what goes into that but when i started out on that i had no idea what, what went into it you know yeah you know it's like uh right now i'm at the tail end of finishing a screenplay right and so i spent a year and a half writing the screenplay all my friends love it it's hilarious it's it's you know in my opinion really good but there's more to it than that and when i got into it i was like oh i'm gonna write a screenplay rah, 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 right but now you get into it you got to have a log line you got to have a synopsis do you have any idea how hard it is to take an entire movie and write 500 words to make someone understand what is in 120 pages. Right. And like, or even worse, you, the log line is, you know, you got to condense the whole movie into 20 words. Right. And so now I'm at this stage now where it's all right, it's time to market this screenplay. And I never under, I just dropped in and started writing a screenplay and it was really, you know, I found it quite fun and easy to do. Now I'm into, you know, I'm hitting the challenges of actually bringing a screenplay to market, right? As opposed to um, just writing one, right? And I don't have a team of people. I'm not a proven writer. And, uh, you know, it's like now, oh, yeah, don't forget about proofing it, right? You got to proof it. You got to get all these things. You got to go to meetings. You got to have, you know, meet with executives and all these things. And so... that that to me is you know proving to be the biggest challenge writing the screenplay was the easy part but there is a whole process and the log line and the synopsis and the meetings are all part of the entire package right and and uh you know and i've been stepping into that pain a lot recently is spending my time trying to do the things that i i didn't do the you know didn't, didn't do the homework on but am, am i i'm not any less inspired but then I was when I started, I'm just running into things that are not in my my skills. Right. And so it either got to up the skill level or and do the research, do the work or you got to pay other people to help you do that work. And, uh, you know, you have to figure out where, where that process lies, where, where your budget lies and where, um, you know, there's always ways out of things. And usually and you have to figure it out yourself. Otherwise, you're going to pay for someone else's years and much. And and that don't come cheap. Nope. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but, I mean, that's why it's valuable, right? And so, you know, at a certain point, 
you can't learn to do everything yourself. You gotta, you, you gotta help work with other people or, I mean, you can try, but eventually that's where the division of labor comes in and makes things really cool. You know, you have a partnership, you have people who like, I'm not very good at film editing, Like you can take a quick look at my YouTube channel and see that I don't do a whole lot of crazy, you know, things to the videos or whatever. It's just like a, it's a quick video, uh, explainer, whatever. Uh, but I don't put a lot of stuff, stuff, but you are an, an amazing, uh, video editor. And you know, when you get the script together, you got the script together. That's awesome. So you think about like being a writer and being able to have that skill. There's a lot of people who don't, but there are probably very specialized people who find great scripts and sell those. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of different weird things. It's like, as soon as you start a business, somebody starts calling you, trying to sell you something that they think is a problem that you're struggling for. <laughs> That's your first call. It's not a customer on the phone. It's somebody trying to sell you something, you know, to your business to solve a problem they think you already have or you're going to face. Yeah. Which is hilarious. But uh, <laughs> but awesome, too, you know, that people can anticipate others needs and, and be able to do stuff like that, man. It's, it's amazing to watch something like that come together because I can vouch your script is excellent. It's one of the funniest things I've read. Um, and I. I, I hope it does come to fruition. I, I definitely want to see that day happen. And I know you got more in you as far as writing goes. And that's one thing, one of the things that I've learned, right? Like the, I've been putting on comedy shows. And so putting it on as a producer is a lot different than just showing up as a comic, right? Like I've got to think about the seating. I've got to talk to the people who come, make sure they come back, make sure people are booked who are good, make sure I can pay everybody, uh, put out, do all the promo, do the ticket sales, make the deal with a venue, you know, and then show up. And because I did all that, sometimes that eats into your time to rehearse, right? Like maybe your set's not as good because right? <laughs> there are trade-offs, right? Like if you decide like, Hey, I need to learn how to market this script instead of writing another one well you've got your you're on you're chasing the rabbit which is fine like learning a different skill set and that will you know you got to consider the trade-offs that will eat into time that it would take is it worth it and those are the questions so for me producing comedy shows it is because that that is hopefully going to allow me to be able to put on more of those potentially scale them out a little bit, have other people host them and do stuff like that and then create shows for comics and for, for myself too, self, uh, you know, self-interested. I'm not going to be on every show I produce or anything like that. I don't expect to do that, but it creates a community. It creates a little bit of a, a circuit and creates opportunities for other people. Um, so it's worth it, right. To be able to do that as opposed to just kind of sitting in line and waiting to kind of like see what's going to happen or have someone who's a, an agent. So, you know, that would be the other thing that some people go the agent route, you know, and so it's just, what do you, what, what's, what's, what's valuable to you? What, how does your time best spent is an interesting question to think about because you are going to have to take the time to learn the skill. You can't just magically acquire it like Neo in the matrix um, you can be very talented at something. You're still going to have to uh, hone that skill and uh, and that it just is what it is. So it's interesting to consider. I, I wish, you know, in a lot of ways I could go back to myself 
in the past and be like, yo, dude, <laughs> let me save you some steps, homie. <laughs> let me save you a decade, you know? <clears throat> but I mean, like, it's in the struggle that you learn the problems. You know, like, for instance, you know, doing the, the, the gong thing, there aren't a lot of people doing it the way that I, I'm doing it. So there's no one to really go to problems. But with screenwriting, there's a lot of stuff out there and there's a lot of help and there's a lot of information and, and, and there's plenty of um, places to learn. And that's, that's really what I've been spending my time doing is understanding, you know, what goes into these meetings and, and uh, what goes into these other processes. And, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it was so easy to learn story, (laughs) to tell a story. And now it's a whole different story, right? Because it isn't the story I'm writing anymore. It's me and my story. Because now movies take, you know, it could take two, three, four years to actually bring a movie to fruition. And that means, you know, a producer brings you on board. They're working with you for four years. So it's really about people skills and it's relationships and things like that. And then you can't just write it and be done with it, um, you know, and, and, and so, yeah, I'm learning all those processes now and, and, and I'm still, you know, I, I it's not like I don't want to be a screenwriter. I, I enjoy writing movies. Right. And I got a, I got a bunch up the pipe and, and I, I want to continue to write them. So now I have to, you know, step into these unfamiliar territories and at least get some, and that's the thing, right? Familiarity, you know, and I always talk about that too, is it, you know, you, you get pulled over by the cops the first first time. It's like it's nerve wracking, right? But by the time you get pulled over by the 30th time, it's kind of a joke. All right? And so, you know, I got pulled over 36 times in 18 months while I was traveling. And, you know, I'm not up to no good. I'm, I'm completely legit on the road. I got pulled over 36 times, never got a speeding ticket, never got arrested and nothing, you know. And uh, by the 36th time. I knew their processes better than they did. And, and it really was just a big old joke. And I started writing comedy bits about, about it. And I started screwing with them because I knew what they were going to do before they knew what they were going to do. And uh, so it's nerve wracking when you're dealing with something unfamiliar and scary. Right. But once you keep on hitting it and hitting it and hitting it, it ain't so scary after a little while. It's just like business as usual. Right. And so, it's a, it's really like it's you have to step into that pain and fail a couple times you know it's like uh, i've been trying to you know decide who my first executive that i'm going to fail with right cuz like i'm in this interface and you can book these meetings with all these executives agents and and producers and directors and i'm like i'm going literally going through the list of like all right which one of these people do i want to fail with first who do i want to not fail with so i got to i got to go through you know 10 of these things it's like um uh we had a, a lawyer work pro bono for us when we were making the, the documentary because we're basically reporting on food companies we're doing you know we're going into grocery stores we're doing all this stuff that you know copyright based and and you know you're talking about other people's uh, proprietary stuff and and you so you're stepping in a lot of crazy waters well we decided we needed law, a legal counsel well i had to go through 12 meetings with lawyers before I actually knew to say to get that 13th lawyer to be like, yeah, I'll work for you. Right. I like, I literally had to go through these several uncomfortable failure meetings 
uh, to get to that point, right? And so, you know, to me, there was no chance of failing in those situations. I needed a lawyer and I was going to find one. And eventually I got like the Tampa Bay Tribune, uh, I don't know what they had, like you would call it, their staff lawyer or whatever to, uh, to give, to come on board the product project and, and give us counsel when we needed it. You know, and like, I, I found a way to get them to work for free because I didn't have $400 an hour to give a lawyer. I needed to find one. Right. And so you have to go through these uncomfortable moments and, and the best thing, and most of the time too, is your, your mind is getting in the way. It, it, you just got to do it. Right. And you realize that eh, when you actually fail, it ain't even that big of a deal. Like it was worse thinking about failing than it was actually failing. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, and so anything that you're going to do is going to require more skills to learn, right? Like, I think that's kind of the gist of kind of what we're going over with that. One of the great sort of examples that you've given me is it's like, think about it, putting a puzzle together, whatever that is. And there's all these different parts to the puzzle and you don't really see what the puzzle is until it starts to come together, right? Like you have an idea, you've seen a puzzle put together before, but you don't really know how to put this one together, you know, like you're kind of blind, <laughs> yeah. right? So it's like, you got to learn all these skills that sort of work together that kind of blend in to do that one skill. It's not just one, like it looks like one, but it's a lot more than just one. It's a lot of different things that you wind up having to learn how to do challenges to overcome, to, to build that. But, and it's all through that uncomfortable, you know, and just facing that uncomfortability and just going and doing the thing. Stephen Pressfield's book, The War of Art, is so good for that. Like, it's such a good book as far as like, he talks a lot about resistance. And it makes a lot of sense the way he talks about it and how you, it goes. It goes along with transurfing in a pretty kind of cool way. Well, I mean, you can make resistance work for you, too. You know, like, and that's where workflow, you have to decide where resistance is needed and where, um, where the wheels need greased, right? It's like, sometimes resistance is, is really a, a powerful tool and can keep you, uh, you know, out of certain things or keep you, save you from yourself. And it, and it goes right back on the systems again. It's like, it, where, what can you have in place to be successful? You know, it's like, if I'm going to write, I know that if I have, if I'm well fed and I got some coffee and I got a good workstation and I got some space and a big block of time that I know I'm going to be successful because I'm standing there at my desk writing and I've got everything that I need. So the environment is set for me to not have to go too far from where I'm working for anything that I need. And so like, you know, being prepared and, and, it, having a system it's always about systems you know as you can keep on going up and down the ladder for a new freaking tool or you can just know what you need to be up on that ladder and not have to keep on going up and down it right and i and i can't say enough about systems so knowing uh, what you're going to do and how you're going to do it and knowing why you're doing it is so important yeah why is huge man and yeah for, for for me too like i said i've spent a lot of time 
standing around being like, wow, I really wish a systems builder would swoop in here and build a system for me. Yeah, that sure would be great. No superheroes. <laughs> Nobody showed up. Not a fucking soul. Uh, and so what you have to do is figure out what the most valuable system you can put together or set of systems or, you know, system adjacent systems or whatever it is. Right. And, uh, and put those things down and put them in place and then do it yourself and build that process, even though it's going to be difficult. It's painful. It really is painful to build, you know, like, you know, for instance, when I built painful. the systems for my operation at the portal at a music festival, right? I didn't build them at the festival. I built them sitting down in the wintertime going after I read that book and it made me cry. And I had to visualize every single thing that I would do in a day from the beginning we opened all the way to the end and then, and then write it down for other people to understand it. And then, you know, it wasn't until I got on site that I got to refine those systems because now I'm putting theory into place. Right. And so it, it literally, it, it, it's not, there's no easy way to, to build your own system. And that's why, you know, a lot of plug and play businesses are great. Right. It's like you get a business and they have every, all the systems are in place. You, you, you know, you just, all you gotta do is go to work. Right. And, yeah. But that's the, if you're an entrepreneur and you're creating, chances are the system isn't there. You have to build the system because you're, you're creating, you know, someone you're not, you know, you're, you're, you're innovating. You've now created, you decided to bring something to market that you think that somebody needs. And if it hasn't been the market before, there ain't no system in place for it. That's exactly right. Waiting on that systems builder. <laughs> and I mean, it, it is what it is, man. Like, it takes time. There's in intricacies to those systems and there are little points that can just ruin the whole thing, you know, just the gone, you know, and ah, getting all those different elements to work together is, you, you know, I can't even tell you how many times I've stepped in shit and come out smelling like roses and, and, they, and like it, it really is about doing it and failing and like your failures will literally show you the best ways to to um to refine what it is you're building right and and you know like there's a, a saying in and think and grow rich three feet from gold right it's like you that you quit digging and then you know then you sell your 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 mining rights to some fucking miner and and they dug three more feet and found the gold Right. And, and so it really is about just staying on it and staying true, staying inspired. I mean, it all always comes down to inspired. The more inspired you are and the more motivated you are, the more that you're going to really learn how to 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 do whatever it is you need to do and, and figure out a solution. Because, I mean, that's what, again, I, I, being an entrepreneur is about it's about solution based thinking. You're all, you're trying to bring something to market that you feel the world needs, right? And so it's a solution. There's a million solutions to go to that solution. Yeah, man. You gotta you gotta trudge through it. You gotta walk up the mountain. But it's like you're saying, man. The idea of pain is so much worse. But those steps, you're going to want to quit. 
If you if you set out to do something on your hero's journey, at some point, and sometimes it's it's not a bad idea to quit. <laughs> One of the best pieces of advice that I ever got was from my mom. She said, no way. "You can always quit if you don't like it." And I didn't like scuba diving, right? I quit scuba diving. No big deal. But it's like you're saying, you know, you got to you got to pick the things that you're passionate about, that you love, that inspire you. And that will keep you going through those challenging times when you do truly want to quit because you will. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I've quit a lot of things in my life. Right. And the things that are mainstays are the things that I didn't quit. Right. And. And so, I mean, you're never going to be able to do everything. And, 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 you know, you, there, there's a potential to appear to be a Renaissance man, but you know, someone who's a Renaissance man, what they got 12 things that they're into that they're doing all right. And that they succeeded at, but I guarantee you, they found a lot of things that they didn't like. Right. And, you know, it's like, uh, it, it, it's really is about fucking finding yourself in this, in these things. And like, if something isn't showing you who you are, it's probably not for you. Right. And that's okay because there's so many fucking things in the world to do that, you know, and, and that it's no big deal to not resonate with something or to feel like it's not for you. Right. And, and, and it, but, finding that thing that inspires you that's where that's where you're gonna you need to you need that inspiration because it will it will you will run into that that brick wall and you know why am i doing this and should i be doing this and what's the point right yeah those are the exact thoughts yes i almost i've never had a boss in my entire fucking life right i've never worked for anybody i've done some odd jobs to like cover expenses here and there but i've always worked for myself and i've always done my own creating right and but i can't lie that there wasn't points in some of these endeavors where i was like man i really should just go get a fucking job right this is like just just call it but if you're if you're alive and really self-respecting it's hard to like you know give your time away for a few dollars Right. And, and, you know, I understand some people are, are in situations where they need to do that. And, and that's no, no, no disrespect to them. But for me personally, I, I cannot give my time. I like, I can't trade time for money. I can, I'd rather be poor and creating than to uh, be rich and have no freaking time doing someone else's shit. Because when you got a job, you're someone else's passive income plan. You're fucking putting a Lamborghini in their garage. You're paying for their vacations. That your time is paying for that shit. And you know, if, if you really enjoy your job and you really feel fulfilled from it, then that's a good thing. And yeah, you should be engaging in that and you're part of a team and and all that. And and that's really, you know, knowing who you are and knowing where you fit in and, and knowing what's best for yourself. You know, for me in particular, it's it's hard for me to trade my time for money. Right. I watched my dad do that growing up and and he broke his fucking back and and was all fucked up most of my life because he traded his time for money. So like as a kid, I was just like, not going to do that. 
Yeah. I mean, everybody has different situations. Obviously, you know, you got to do what works for you, but you got to know what that is in order to, in order to do it. And, you know, but, but what's funny about that is I see you at a music festival, you're up, you know, gonging people all until fucking sun comes <laughs> up, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm putting this intricate, you know, piece of art together, you know what I mean? Lighting it and doing like, cause nobody's going to do it for you. Right. And yeah. going to all of those extremes is, you know, working super hard to create an experience or solve a problem or whatever it is that you want to bring to the market, to people. And that, and that, that, that the energy is there and, and it's, and it comes through. So yeah, I mean, everybody's different. We got to find what works for us. And uh, yeah, exactly. I started out, you know, just getting a job because that's, you know, I was like, go get a job. You know, I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna... didn't really love it either. Definitely wanted to become an entrepreneur. Both my parents were entrepreneurs. My dad was working a full time job too, uh, but eventually became more of an entrepreneur over time. Like we grew up, we grew up poor, but, and then, we're, and then we hit middle class, which is basically just poor with more shit. You know? <laughs> poor liabilities. Right. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's about what works for you. I know some people who are really happy just doing what they're doing and other, but, but there, but there are other processes too. And like working as a team, I encourage, it's like going back to the whole idea of like, working on a script and have learning the skill of talking to people. It's like, if it's, it, it would be exhausting if everyone had to learn marketing, you know, you got to learn all yeah. of the processes. It's like, what's cool about what I'm doing now is that I can kind of focus on one of the aspects of our business. I can work on that and then ally with other people who can kind of do the other side of the business. Right. And, uh, and that works out to be a win-win, which is what we want. We want win-wins and win-win-wins. We're like uh, outer intention, right? Building that. Getting simple relationships are great. You know, it really is about you know, helping other people make it through this maze we call life, right? It's like, and, and, and making an opportunity for somebody else is, is really good too. Um, and, and having a team, like I couldn't go on without a team. I'd be run into the ground. I actually need people who give a shit uh, to to deliver what we deliver, right? And so it, I have to do my best to nurture all those people for their time. And and uh, you know, and a lot of you know, like we're we're not we're not making tons of money. We're making enough and doing what we can to like um, to to make the, the thing happen, right? And it's rewarding. The outcomes are rewarding. The healings were rewarding. Bringing people to their growth was rewarding. So it's worth doing, but there's a lot that goes into it, right? And and so like it's it really is about relationships and teams and, and cooperation and 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 that's what all on. I'm reading a book right now called the uh, the founder and the force multiplier, and it's about how you. Uh, the the entrepreneur brings an assistant in or a chief of staff or whatever and how to leverage that relationship to get the most out of out of your business right is because uh, you know it gets to a point where you really need to if you're making let's say five hundred dollars an hour 
you can't be spending your freaking time doing minute minutia tasks. It doesn't make sense. You need to bring other people on board and have them do those things. Because if you're doing the minutia, you're you're losing money every minute you're doing things that you're servicing and, and transactions and servicing things, right? And so you have to figure out what your formula is to, you know, to make things work. And, and yeah, there's this, there's this book and I haven't read it, but I heard someone reference it and talk about it uh, by Herman Hess, who wrote Siddhartha and it's called Beneath the Wheel. And the idea of the book is basically, as you're saying, if you're stuck fucking working on that process you you have no ability to be, get outside of the model of the machine whatever right it's like with what i'm doing now right like it's like i want to be able to work on my business i don't want to have to all only work in my business one of the most frustrating things about coaching as you were talking about earlier automating processes is having to keep up with all of the marketing and the content creation, which just sounds like you're filling up the diaper that is the internet, which is kind of yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. And, and all this shit, right. Writing of blogs and all this stuff and yada, yada, yada. And, uh, and doing all of those marketing things. And it's like, at the end of the day, how good you, you, you lose out on time coaching and really working on the, the skill that you're actually trying to market which yeah. is frustrating. So if you can have the ability to work on something or, and, or in it, right. Like, and just kind of be like, if you're that writer, but you have an agent or whatever, right. Like that's, that's why that works in that sense. Right. Like it's cool to learn. It's cool to, it's cool to learn the basics of anything just so you can understand the process better and how the other person might interact and what they need to do, et cetera. Right. And how the whole thing works, but you know, understanding how valuable your time is and putting yourself in a position to be the most productive instead of being stuck beneath the wheel, having to hold everything up, you know, and do all these, all these teeny tiny things when all of those other processes could be systematized somehow, you know, over, over time. Outsourcing, man, outsourcing really is the answer. And, and I mean, outsourcing it, it I mean, to the point of like, not going to the grocery store and ordering your groceries on, on, on the internet, right? Not spending, you know, cause there's only 1440 minutes in a freaking day. And unless you're a maniac like me who stays up for 20, 20 of those hours, um, you have to sleep and you have to do other things. You have to maintain, you know, main, maintain your life and, and stuff. And so figuring out where you can steal minutes, to be productive and to find fulfilling activities is a, is a giant, it's a, it's a huge undertaking, but once you figure that stuff out and figure out a way, cause ultimately, right. People want to talk about fucking happiness. Happiness is in the goddamn moment. It's, it's, it's eating a fucking chocolate chip cookie or having an orgasm or smoking a fucking cigarette. It's happiness is, is a goddamn trap. What you're talking about is fulfillment. And happiness is something that some other fucker sold you and you're a kid and you're still fucking like, what is, you know, how do I be happy? Happiness happens in the goddamn moment. You can be fulfilled and be aggravated. You can be fulfilled and have challenges, but you cannot be happy while you're fucking frustrated, pulling your hair out of your fucking head. Right. And so you have to engage in things that make you feel fulfilled. And that's, you know, 
feeling like your time is worth value. It's, it's feeling like you're part of something. It's feeling like you're part of a community. It's loving and being loved and all, all of these things. And, and it's a, it's a giant package that comes together and it ain't happiness. It's fulfillment. Happiness is totally in the moment. And, and, you know, you got to really strive for how am I going to, you know, when I started writing screenplays, I couldn't fucking wait to get out of bed. I would go to bed at like six when this, I would write all night until the sun came up. And then by 10 a.m., I I'd fucking hop out of bed because I, I wanted to go back to that feeling of having fulfillment. Right. And, and like it made me feel alive. And, and, you know, and all, all of my creations make me feel that way. And so, you know, you have to find maybe, you know, you know, people can find fulfillment in being parents. People can find fulfillment in, in jobs and, and, and that. And it's really about find, having this feeling like your time is being spent. That you're not just fucking waiting to die. I can't hear you. Oh, yeah. That's because I was muted. That's, <laughs> that's I, mean, I guess that's why so many people, you know, when they do retire, you know, they've they sometimes lose that sense of meaning and, and they pass on, you know, it's kind of crazy. Um, but that is a phenomenon that is pretty well noted, but yeah, man, it's awesome. I mean, I want to, I want to get, I, I just want to kind of like tell everybody what the Buddha said, right? Like, it's like life is suffering, dude. Just embrace the suck, you know, like <laughs> fucking suck it up. Uh, but but at the same time, like that's where you have to learn to derive joy. Like you said, it's about fulfillment, not happiness. Everybody's running around chasing happiness. That's fleeting. It's a trap. It is a trap. Yeah, that's it, it's totally fleeting. Whereas fulfillment really comes from from within and choosing certain things that make your heart sing. You know uh, that, that because will this Joe Brute pointed this out the last time I was chatting with him. The will is not of the mind. The will is the heart. Yeah. You know, like that's Absolutely. where the will is. It is not the mind. And well, I, your mind will get in the way and tell you all kinds of fucked up shit or why you shouldn't do something and why you shouldn't, you know, follow your dreams and, and why you shouldn't, you know, take a risk. Your will it forces you to, to burn the bridges, to fucking burn the ships, to hit the shore and burn the ships, not look back. And, and generally speaking, I've been my most successful in life when I just landed ashore and burned the ship and, and had no way home. Yeah. Sometimes that's the way to go. Sometimes it's good to have some contingencies and little things in place. It just depends on the situation that you're in, you know, but commitment uh, when you're going for something and putting that hard work up, up front, you know, getting to the top of the mountain takes walking all the way to the top of the mountain. We can't just, you know, just flash up to the top or, you know, and, and the other thing too, and I, I don't really love Jack Kerouac from being honest, but one of the great things that he said was when you get to the top of the mountain, keep going. Right. Yeah. There's so, another mountain. Yeah. You, you, you're not going <laughs> to stop right there. It's like what you said earlier. The, that's that Buddhist thing too, right? Like uh, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. Yeah. After enlightenment, chop, chop wood, carry, wood and carry water. water. <laughs> yeah. Get, Get used to it, bud. That's how it's going to be. But yeah, man. Well, I appreciate everybody for hanging out with us tonight. 
I'm going to cut it a little. Usually we go two hours, but if it's cool with you, man, I'm going to cut it a little bit short. Yeah, yeah that's you, fine. I got to get ready. Uh, I'm going to uh, Mount Shasta this week. I'm excited. We hadn't made a podcast in a while. So, uh, man, thanks for coming yeah. and hopping in here. It's a, been a. I'm actually going to. I'm- I'm going to medicine ceremony. Um, I'm leaving tomorrow and I've actually doing all this auto work the last couple of days. I've ignored my screenplay and ignored all the processes I need to be engaging in. So I got a few little tinkering things to do and I'm going to go for my first failure. <laughs> That's awesome. I can't wait to hear about it, man. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I got to get that all up and, and uh, run in before I hit the road. And, Cause you know, the dates are like, weeks down the road and to like have the meetings and and uh you know like i'm gonna do some script coverage to have a producer from one of the studios reread it and give me notes and and uh so yeah you know i can i'm gonna get to that shit tonight before i have to drive 12 hours tomorrow and and uh go do some uh go go do some some healing and self-work and and man i, I was set, it was 65 degrees today here nice and and, and uh I'm, I'm going to michigan and it's like minus seven <laughs> <laughs> so i like you know my mind is telling me it's worse than it's gonna be but you know i know what minus seven means so like i gotta get myself mentally prepared and i want to just get this shit out of the way before i end up in the frigid zone and don't want to do anything yeah man i'm gonna be in the in the cold as well we're gonna be doing some wim hof breathing and some cold plunges and uh in mount shasta and i'm gonna be you know presenting a a bit as well as uh doing some comedy i got all my comedy bits that i've been working on and uh i'm excited because i get to really it's a home it's a home game man it's a home game (laughs) like god damn dude i've been in the, the lion's den for so long, like I bombed my own show last week, you know, I was going to talk about that in the open and I'm like, well, just wait. <laughs> but, I mean, but it happens, you know, like that's the best part is when you host a show and then you eat shit up top and then you have to stay there and yeah. introduce every other comic and watch them crush. It's a lot of fun. That's one of those failures, you know, and those hey, things are going to happen. It is, is what it is. When they tell you in sales, you got to get your, your hundred no's, right? get your 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 one yeah 100 no's one yes right it's like yeah uh, man we just gotta yeah we gotta go through the process so there's no escape in it and uh, i'm extorted i want to um you know i want to hear about your, your the set you got prepared yeah man i'm i'm excited about it a lot of it's stuff that i've been doing that's kind of tried and true some of it you've you've heard before uh for sure and a lot of it's you know stuff that i kind of reworked and just kind of do did a you know a different twist or a couple of different uh tags on and stuff but i i've really had fun putting it together um and so i'm excited we'll see i mean i i'll probably forget some of the shit i usually leave punchlines out it's, it's it's the funniest thing to forget punchlines sometimes i'm not the only comedian that that does it it's so frustrating you watch your tape and you're like damn i had a tag right there oh why did i forget that you know um, <laughs> but you know like i plan to have a lot of fun with it too like it's gonna be loose and like i said it's a home game so i don't have yeah. to be like i'm not going in there you know auditioning for you know some fucking tv part or something i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm going in i'm going into with people who understand 
are, and we have the same disposition. And so I can talk about some things and frame things in a little bit more of an honest way, I would say, or just like be a little bit more opinionated, I guess. Yeah. You don't have to hold back. Yeah. I don't have to hold back at all. Yeah. 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 And, and so that's going to be, that's going to be a lot of fun. Like you're not taking everybody's phone and putting it in a bag. Right. (laughs) People do it. That's a, that's a, uh, uh, Dave Chappelle and Joe Rogan do. Yeah, yeah, they, they do. They, they hold your phone hostage for the whole show. They do. Yeah, I, I, I went to, I went and saw Rogan actually when he came through uh, town in Atlanta at the Fox, and that's exactly what they do. They put it in this bag so you can't open it, and so, but you, you hold on to your phone the whole time, but you yeah. take it with you to the seat. You can't take, you can't take it out of that bag. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I get that. Like, I totally understand it. Yeah, it's gonna, it's. It's going to be a little bit more free. There's, there's a difference between you hearing something and repeating it. Right. And you recording it and then putting it out for the world to hear, to be ridiculed or, or whatever. You know, it's like, so hearsay is so much harder to push than, you know, than a video that can be put up online and get right. views. And, right. Well, yeah. And I don't know. I'm not a safe comedian either, but I'm not either that. I don't know. I'm not. That I'm definitely not safe either, right? <laughs> like I don't know. It's it's just fun because I I know the I know where everybody's at, right? Like you go into a room of strangers and you just assume that they're NPR, right? And so I have a whole bit about NPR that's like about how yeah ridiculous it is, how how pretentious and pompous it is and how it's the best form of propaganda (laughs) because it's so boring that you have to believe it, you know? So it really is. And I, and I, and I, and and I will go more into that and, and in other times too, because that's something that I can talk about in any room, right? Like this, this irritates me. Right. Uh, But I get to be way more forthcoming, you know, in this, particular setting so i'm very nice man now you're probably gonna fucking hit some home runs and (laughs) yeah it should be like you need need that rare home game a rare home game man it's it's mostly it's mostly away games out there but thanks everybody you guys are amazing uh we'll holler at you after our trips and we'll see you all soon much love and many blessings i have some other cool ideas and stuff coming up here on the show. I'm trying to get somebody to talk to me about Adlerian psychology. Uh, and I just read a book that I do recommend. Um, it's called the, uh, the courage to be disliked. And, uh, you can check that out. It's on YouTube. Just give it a Google. Uh, Adlerian psychology is kind of the other side of, uh, Jungian or Freudian theory, which is really cool. And I think that, both of them combined, right? Like you get a little bit more of a holistic view. It was a really awesome book. I love the way it was presented. And uh, yeah, if you guys get a moment, check that out. I'll be talking about that here probably coming up pretty soon. And uh, still TBD, I'll get those uh, last uh, Gurdjieff videos made. I've just been buried back here creating systems that will hopefully flourish for a very, very long time. All Hope's right. not a plan. Man, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be all right. Um, no, we appreciate yeah, you're gonna it. fucking kill it, man. Yeah, we're know? doing we're doing we're doing good so far. I'm excited and uh yeah, appreciate it, everybody. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful night. Many blessings, much, much love. Take care.